With a horrible cold shock, Joel noticed a strange thing. Though calamines were falling at each Narnian sword stroke, they never seemed to get any fewer. In fact, there were really actually more of them now than when the fight had began. There were more every second. They were running up from every side. They were new calamines. These new ones had spears. There was such a crowd of them that she could hardly see her own friends. Then she heard Tyrion's voice crying, Back! To the rock! The enemy had been reinforced. The drum had done its work. Welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast, where we're doing a chapter-by-chapter deep dive into the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. I'm Kel. I'm Chase. Thank you for joining us. Uh, You know, it's been a minute. Uh, You know, life is crazy, and, you know, we'll eventually get this book done, Chase, I promise. You Uh, can only hope. We only hope, you know, but just a reminder that today we're going to be talking about the seventh book in the series, The Last Battle, but a general spoiler warning for the entire Narnia series, which, you know, we've talked about the entire Narnia series up to this point already. So if you're joining us now, like, congrats, you know, but heads up that we will go into tangents into other stories and pieces of pop culture as well. We'll do our best to give spoiler warnings along the way. And if there's anything too far out there, uh, but today we're going to be discussing The Last Battle, Chapter 11, The Pace Quickens. Did you? Did you yeah, I was trying to mm-hmm. try to. Quicken my pace at that last little section. Uh, what a great title and a terrible title, Chase. <laughs> I mean, at least it's accurate. <laughs> it's accurate. It's just a bad title. But, Chase, on that note, can you let us know why the pace quickens with a little summary? I'll let you know. I'll, and I'll you, can, and you can speak at normal speed if you okay. like. I, I was going to like put the podcast at 2x speed, which, <laughs> I mean, look, you as a listener – can in fact do that if you want. It would make it go yeah. faster, but I'll read it at normal speed. That's good, probably. All right. So Rashida Tarkin dodges out of the way of Tyrion's sword. We're starting mid battle. Uh, he dodges out of the way of Tyrion's sword, and he would have stayed and fought the king and the dwarf, but he knew that he was no match for the whole party of the Narnians together. So he rushed back into the crowd, calling for the warriors of the Tisrock to band together and wishing the wrath of Tashlan on them. Tyrion, in this moment, grabs the ape shift to throw him into the stable, give him a taste of his own medicine. But when the door of the stable is open, a blinding blue-green light shines out. The earth shakes and a horrifying screech rings out. The beasts cower, fearing Tashlan, and even Rashida Tarkin looks scared at the arrival of this god that he didn't even believe in. At the same moment, all the talking dogs rush to the king's side, because even Narnian talking dogs are good boys. Then the bears and the boars also join their side, and Tyrion called to all the gathered beasts to rally with him. Several were still scared of Tashlan and were cowering away, but Tyrion went straight to work, organizing the creatures that were with him for battle, calling for the talking horses to be released and brought, sending a group over to let them out. And at the same time, Rashida Tarkin was shouting orders to recapture the Narnians to all the uh, Calamine soldiers, and the enemy in line was already moving forward. Tyrion gave his orders as well, and Eustace's heart was beating terribly as they went into the fight, and the Narnians began to clash with the Calamines. He really could never remember what happened in the next two minutes, but it ended with the Calamines retreating. 
the dead and injured laid around them, strewn about, people suffering, dying. It's really dark. Uh, and they weren't able to be glad at their current success because of this. Then the dwarves began to jeer at the Calamines, uh, calling them some names, but also wouldn't rejoin the Narnian Alliance. Then the beat of drums began, signaling to another group of Calamine troops were nearby, and then it became next mixed with the sound of hooves as the freed Narnia horses bounded up the hill. It was almost joyful until the sound of bowstrings rang out and the horses began to fall as the dwarves shot down the horses, affirming again that they were not on the side of the Narnians or the side of the Calamines. They don't want either to win because they refuse to have a king. They decided to try and get as far, they being the Narnians, decided to try and get as far from the stable as possible and began their plan to escape. Jill took off towards the rock, according to the plan that they agreed to meet at, uh, and she shot at some enemies in the process. She looked around as the rest of the Narnian group began to engage the enemy head-on, but as they did, the Calamine reinforcements joined the battle with new men, spears, and Tyrion called to retreat back to the rock, and that's where our chapter ends. So, like, Rashida Tarkin is definitely, like, an excuse guy on a basketball pickup team, right? Where he's like, no, nah, dude, I totally would have made that shot. But, like, that, you know, freaking wind. Like, yeah. I don't play in wind. I play in indoor courts. This is bad. Like, yeah, yeah. No, it was it was just the – it was it was the uh, concrete. Like, it really just doesn't have the same bounce, you know? Like, but is this ball regulation? Like, come on, guys. We don't double team and pick up basketball. This, that's crap, you know? Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, he's he's definitely that dude. He's definitely that dude because he's like, oh, he's, I definitely would have fought if it was just the king and the dwarf, but like could throw in an eagle, it could scratch me and peck my eyes out and like a unicorn. Like, what am I supposed to do against this? Like, it's crazy. Like, you're, you're, come on, let's be realistic. It really is. It's such a like C.S. Lewis way of writing that scene too, because it's very much, and you know how birds can peck your eyes out as you have seen in the wild. Right. Like, just <laughs> as you know. That you have all these experiences that just like, no one is thinking about except for him. Chase, and he just says it as if it's the most matter-of-fact thing in the world. You've never seen an eagle claw someone's eyes out and a unicorn slash someone to death and trample them with their like horn and their hooves? Yeah. I mean, look, maybe 1950s England was just a different place. Than- it was a different time, Chase. <laughs> it was a different time. Look, back then, eagles could be eagles, you know? Look, back then, dwarves could be racist and... Like we could easily just trample our enemies to death, and like, oh, it's fine. man, we we are gonna have to address that later. It's uh, this chapter's got a lot in it, people. This is this is a this is a wild one. It's a wild one for sure. Uh, but so you know, disregarding the tis or the uh, the the Tarkin, right? Rashida Tarkin, he uh, he, you know, calls the army back together. And they start fighting and they're forming ranks and everything. And then Tyrion, out of nowhere, Chase, you remember that time that King Tyrion threw Shift the Ape into the stall door where there was a giant monster waiting to something murder them? Like, Yeah, it's really like, again, this is a dark chapter, but like the idea that he's just like, well... Might as well murder this dude real quick while I got yeah. the opportunity. You may lose, but you know what? So will Shift. <laughs> Which, I mean, look, if anyone needs to lose, it's Shift. But the, yeah, 
the instinct of like, oh, well, here's my chance to just go ahead and out this guy is if you were wild. If you were a reader who's, you know, really hoping for the Draco Malfoy redemption story, who's really hoping for Shift to like be reconciled yeah. and to be apologetic after knowing his mistakes, you won't get it. He's yeah. dead. He's... That's it. He's, he's more of an Azula than a Zuko, if that makes sense. It's yeah, he's an Azula if Azula just blew up like without there being a final fight. Like there was just it was just like, all right, here comes team app. That's what like that's what just happened. Shift has no there is no redemption arc. There is no hope for reconciliation. He's dead. Yeah. Which I mean, look. <laughs> they throw thought he was the big villain. I guess. Uh, I guess we won. I guess, but he ain't because they throw him in, and a greenish blue light like explodes from the barn doors. You're like, what? And then they just don't address that the rest of the chapter because no. there's too much killing to be done. And no, it's really like the whole Tashland <laughs> thing, like the stable itself, really is not. Not a factor in this chapter other than like just something to get away from. Like they don't acknowledge the whole thing with uh with the cat from last chapter. They don't acknowledge he's gone. That shift died. <laughs> they don't acknowledge that this shift has been like, a major character. Yeah, he's he the first character gone. that we meet in this yep. book. Yep. And he's just dead now. And there's still five chapters left. And oh he's just gone. And but like when they throw him in, there's like is that a flash of blue green light, the earthquakes, yep. and like this deafening screech that yep. everyone is terrified from, and it doesn't come up again. Nope. <laughs> it just doesn't. Nope. Chase, why would it come up again? You act like this is a really big deal. You act like this is a major moment, you know, that happened. Yeah, least, it feels like if the monster is being released, like we would we would hear about it more. But yeah, here, you know, I'll, I'll give C.S. Lewis a little bit of credit here. At least we get to see the like main antagonist of the book so far die on screen. That's true, and not just like I B.T. Dubs Aslan killed the White Witch, like no big deal. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, not a background death. Yeah, so at least we, you know. We saw him get thrown into the barn this time, so that's something. I mean, that is something you can say for this book, is it really zooms in to every single moment of the entire story. He's going to make sure that we know people are dying, Uh, and it's cool. And like in this moment of death, Rashida Tarkin is just as surprised as everyone else, and like the eagle is like, well, he clearly wasn't expecting whatever's in there, you know. Yeah, Uh, which I do like that... Like, because it really, again, isn't part of the plot so much as just something that we're told. Yeah. But, like, when everyone cowers at this light and the screech, only the eagle has the eyes good enough to see Rashida Targan's reaction. But I like the little C.S. Lewis, like, well, he shouldn't have invited a power that he didn't believe in if he didn't want the results of it. <laughs> and, like, that's a good, that's, that's like, what we want out of this mess but yeah, Lewis has been like all right all you kids playing with Ouija boards quit it yeah man the the kids and their Ouija boards need to need to quit it honestly you, I you can't go to a store games. without seeing a Ouija board for sale you play stupid games you get demons 
Yeah. That's, I'm pretty sure how that phrase goes. But yeah. uh, we we keep moving on. And okay. C.S. Lewis, again, reminds us, not only are cats bad, dogs good. Yes. The, the real eternal truth of, of the book that <laughs> no, we've been waiting for. Don't invite demons. Doggies are good. Like, not even... Not even Tyrion having to like really invite them over. It's just like, oh, but in case you needed some like moment of lightness in the midst of this mess, let's just like have a fun time with all these good boys just kind of jumping around being like, we want to help. We want to help. Can we help? Yeah. We love you. <laughs> They're, they are like, he goes, for though they were talking dogs, they were just as doggy as they could be. Like, he's like, hey, I want you to know even in a talking dog and like a, you know, noble beast of Narnia, they're still cute little puppers. They're little yeah. doggos. Look at them. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Oh, we'll help. Show us how. Show us how. how. Give us a treat, please. It's great. Uh, uh, the next line is, it was so lovely that it made you want to cry. G.S. Lewis, uh, been on a been on a you know on a rant against cats since 1950, and he's gonna make sure that people know dogs are better, cats are bad, cats are Satan, dogs are good. Unless it's a lion. Unless it's a lion, in which case you know we've got always Aslan. Biblical allegory, uh, but domesticated house cats, nah, straight from the devil. Nope, nope. Probably trying to uh, end the world. We'll deceive you, we'll murder you without a hesitation. But yeah. doggos? Doggos, doggos are good boys. What are you talking about? <laughs> Look at this fluff boy. Like how, he couldn't he could be anything but good and sweet. Like so, you know, in the midst of war and death and murder. Yeah. You need get that. a nice little side about doggies. Because uh boy boy is there about to be some death and murder. Because boy, is there about to be some death and murder? Because after this moment, uh, you know, all of the 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 armies and the you know the the lines are starting to form. The bears and the boars come join up. Uh, the you know Calarmines are forming their side. Tyrion's kind of trying to find the talking horses, and you know one of the the mice is like, "Hey, they're you know tied up over here. You want us to go get them?" He's like, "That's a great idea." go free them, you know, chew through their, their cords and bring them in. And it's going to be real, you know, like this chapter is the Helm's Deep of this, you know, of, of C.S. Lewis's lore. And like in this moment, Tyrion's like, yes, we're going to look to the east on the fifth day and see all these talking horses right where they're going to free us. This is a spoiler. This is a foreshadowing. It's not going to go well. Right. But he's like, yeah, go get those horses. It's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it doesn't work, but it's it's a great idea. But great idea. I'm glad he's doing it, right? And you know, Rishta Tarkin is is like, all right, cool. Like form ranks. We're gonna push him into the stall because apparently something real bad's in there. And so yeah. we'll just uh, you know push him in there and then set fire to it and make a sacrifice to Tarkin. And like the eagle's like, ah, so that's how he's gonna try to redeem his like lack of faith. Yeah, which I mean. He- Give give him credit. He gets his people moving quickly. They are they are there to fight. Yeah. Because like even before, like before Tyrion can really even finish gathering all the people to fight, like they have to charge into battle. Yeah. Because the enemy line is moving forward, and yeah. Then we just kind of shift to uh, to Eustace's point of view. All of a sudden, we get, we get some real Eustace like 
Saving Private Ryan on D-Day, like slow motion PTSD observing the battle kind of stuff. Where yeah. he's like, like he had never seen anything, though he had seen both a dragon slash been a dragon and a sea serpent uh, that made his blood run so cold as that line of dark faced, bright eyed men. Let's just call them like soldiers, you know, let's, let's yeah. make sure. Like you're, you're, they're just opposing warriors, right? Like, yeah, the, the way that, and I mean, this is a criticism of the fantasy genre as a whole, but really the fantasy books written in the like mid, mid 20th century really leans into like race being the way that you identify good guys versus bad guys. Yeah. Like it's a very, like colonial way of of looking at yeah. these things, which like that is a context that they're familiar with, but also like really, really makes things read badly in uh, in the light of of our current moment. It's definitely tough, but that aside, Eustace is just seeing you know Calermines and you know the people or like the animals of Narnia who had joined the Calermines fighting against the loyal Narnians and like Tyrion and his crew. And it's just brutal. And it says like Eustace couldn't even remember the next two. And like, here's my gripe with this. Cause it says Eustace could never remember what happened in the next two minutes. It was all like a dream that you have when you have a severe fever. And here's my thing. How long does he have like very yeah. major spoiler warning here? Because obviously like, but we've mentioned this before in previous shows. They're all about to die, slash, they're already dead, and they're going to be going to the new heaven and new Narnia soon. How, what does it mean that he can't remember this moment, right? Yeah, like, remember when this is not <laughs> like the, the title of this book is telling here The Last yeah. Battle. <laughs> it's like, I feel like we have to say spoiler warning, but I also don't because he tells you. Like, yeah, it's like literally the title of this book. And it's also the way that this chapter is going. And it's pretty obvious that this is that this is going to add up in a bad direction, even though you want right. it to end well. But yeah, and also like the thing in the, this little section that gave me like, a wait, am I missing something? Was like, not only does he never remember, but also like, Obviously, he remembers because we're then told all the things. Yeah. <laughs> but also, like, there's a twang and zip on his left, and one Kellerman fell, twang and zip again, and the satyr was down, and Tyrion's yelling out, Oh, well done, daughter. So Jill's just like shooting people left and right. Like, Jill does not have the same, she does not have the same hesitation with killing that Eustace does. No, not at all. And like, she's, she's ready to murder some people. But, like, it's just funny to me that, like, obviously, because she's the one with the bow, and she's also the one who, like, later in this chapter has a similar experience. But we're not told this is Jill here. And I was confused why we wouldn't be told that it's Jill there. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, it's just implied. It's, it's implied. And you, you know it's her, because she's the only female in this book. Uh, yeah. And obviously, girl has to do bow and arrow because that's girl how, has to do bow and arrow. That's how fantasy girl, works. Girl, not strong enough to hold sword. Girl, girl, bow and arrow, accurate, very good. 
Yeah. Because like, Joe has to replace Susan because Susan has to have a different fate. Because Susan is a heathen who likes money. So Yeah, money and makeup and boys. Gross. Gross. But, you know, they the Rashida Tarkin calls out and he, you know, he's telling his like group to like reform ranks and to, you know, retreat for a second. So he like Eustace has a moment to kind of observe the scene and like sees all the death and you know there are animals and calamines and narnians kind of scattered all around um you know and Which again, i feel like we should we should zoom in on that a little bit because it's oh, yeah, really go like for the it. heart of this chapter and it's so dark go for it dude i mean so two calamines are dead by jules horn and one by Tyrion's sword a fox is dead at Eustace's feet, and he's not even sure if he's the one who killed it or not. The bull was dead, shot through the eye by an arrow, and gashed in the side by the boar's tusks. Uh, those are the enemy losses. Three dogs were killed, and a fourth was hobbling behind on three legs and whimpering. The bear is on the ground, slowly dying. This is the mumbling, worst part, face. Mumbling in its throaty voice, I, I don't understand and then laid down and fell asleep as if it never moved again. <laughs> and then, like this is the children's book mr stark mr stark i don't want to go this is giving real infinity war vibes it's so dark uh, he like this is so wild because we want to remind you, we are grown men reading this. This is a children's story. Yeah. This is made for children <laughs> to help them understand biblical, biblical themes. <laughs> and a bull was shot through the eye and gored by a boar's tusk. A dog that- is hopping on three legs and a bear is like... <laughs> <laughs> breathing out that it doesn't understand why it's dying. See the light. Like, what is this, dude? Like, he went from, oh, I'll show those, I'll show those people who told me that like I've killed the white witch off screen. I'll show them. I'm gonna show so much death you can never imagine. This is like C.S. Lewis trying to impose his war trauma onto the children of today. <laughs> All of a sudden, he's in the midst of this description of the Narnians. He's like, and then we were surrounded. We were in the bunkers. People were dying. There was muskets all around us. People were, oh, God, hold on. Sorry. Wait a minute. I blacked out for a second. What happened? Uh, Jimmy lost his leg. Brian was, <laughs> Brian was so confused, but we had to put him out. It was merciful. We, were, we saw the German ranks ahead of us. Kaiser was, was in front. Wait a minute. I mean, the t- the calories. These process your stuff, CS. You know, like make sure you you know get some good therapy, Clive. Yeah. Well, if we didn't need therapy for that, we definitely need therapy for the next paragraph after that. Because unfortunately, we now have to address the dwarves. As much as I think neither of us want to address the dwarves. Yeah. It's we do have to talk about the dwarves because uh, you mentioned this off pod. How did the the like the word like the bad guys in this story 
the ones that are conquering and, and killing people and faking to be Aslan, how do we end up sympathizing with them more than another pe- like a character group in this in this book? Yeah, it it's tough. And I mean, I think I'm gonna just read this short paragraph and omit the actual like <laughs> racial slur said, but this is what the dwarves yell. Had enough racial slurs, they yelled. Don't you like it? Why doesn't your great Tarkin go and fight himself instead of sending you to be killed? Poor racial slurs. It's it's bad. <laughs> it's tough because like yes there is a difference i guess you know between this and like the n-word but also like like there's kind of not it's i mean it's doing the same kind of work right it's a like racism is bad whether it's directed at african americans or or Arab groups or or any any people group like right. that's just it's not and the way to tell me that a character is bad is you don't have to write the language into your like you can be more it is more creative to communicate a character's morality through other descriptions than to just put those words in there. But also, I don't know that C.S. Lewis is trying to tell us that this makes the dwarves bad guys, because immediately after that, Tyrion yells out, Dwarfs, come here and use your swords, not your tongues. There's still time. Dwarves of Narnia, you can fight well. Come back to your allegiance. Like, seeing that they're against the Calermans spurs the king of Narnia to be like, oh, well, you can still come and join our side. Come and be on our side. Which there's a way to read that as instead of just being insulting, why don't you actually do something productive? Right. Or there's a way to be like, oh, we're on the same side. Great. Right. It's, it's, it's just not. I think not for me, it's, it's, it's the difference between like how a lot of fantasy authors will use like, because the fact of their existing slurs is not new. It's, it's when you write it, and don't condemn it or don't like imply that what these people are saying is bad because like you can see this in tons of different fantasy and sci-fi and all these things of like slurs between like oh like you like even take it from like the simplest thing of like this house versus this house kind of thing like in you know game of thrones or in red rising or something like that yeah and there will be, you know, we have ways of referring to them, right? Like, but also you can like being removing it from a more direct. This is an allegory for Britain versus the Arab world in Correct, this, right? Like very directly, but also like those are books written to a adult audience and this sure. is a book written to a child audience without child audience with no context ability and because it doesn't condemn it you're giving children 
the idea that like, oh, well, this would be good if only they would also be violent with us. Right. And it's, it's the, it's the, like, it's a real thin line there because again, like if you're in, in a lot of books that I've read and everything, like a character that uses a slur is often a good way to determine that's a bad character. Like this is like the person who's using the slur and like creating division and hostility between people groups or races or species or whatever. Like there are like, you go, Oh, that's the bad guy. Like, because they're, you know, this is one of the things they do that make them bad. Like this person hates elves or this person hates dwar- you know, whatever it might be. You yeah. go, oh, like we can recognize that that's bad. And like, if there was recognition in this moment of going like, we recognize the dwarfs are bad, but the dwarfs are bad, not because, or not like one of the symptoms of their badness is not their use of racial slurs it's their being turncoats like yeah that's what makes them bad is that they didn't have allegiance to narnia over the calamines the racial slurs like and you can show them showing derision to both sides without having to put racial slurs in their mouths totally it's yeah because i mean i was telling you off pod like i just got done reading fellowship of the ring yeah and like in that book, there is a lot of racism between the dwarves and the elves. Sure. One of the ways that uh, Tolkien shows a true like moral change in both uh, Gimli and uh, Legolas. Legolas is that they become friends yeah. after visiting the forest elves and seeing how uh Kate Winslet is is kind to him. <laughs> that that like Gimli is given an honor as a dwarf that the like if you want to start diving into like Tolkien lore, that the greatest of all elves was denied in, in being given strands of Galadriel's hair. Right. And but like even that where it's like there is hatred between those people groups, it is not because of like inherently who they are or their like appearance. It is because they have opposing ways of like, it's like the dwarves like take from the world the like, and like mine and do these things, the elves preserve the world. And so it's like, yeah, we're going to inherently come into conflict until they begin working together and go, Oh, we can actually like discover beauty in each other. That's a great thing. Right. Like yeah. it's the difference between though being able to it's being able to discern between a philosophical system and a people yeah, totally and being able to say that disagreeing with someone's philosophy of life or the way that they do things does not have to be disagreeing with the inherent way that they are because they are part of X group totally and that's that's a level of discernment distinction that right like, and because responsible that just isn't here and because c.s lewis does make very direct allegories to like narnia is england and calamines are fill in the blank middle eastern country whichever one you want yeah. to right like 
the the Ottoman Empire, the Turkish, the you know Iraqis, the Saudis, whoever. Like it's like they are that group as a whole. Which like already you go okay, like that's that's a tough look because you can't blend everyone into the same. Which it is again just funny that the sin of the Calamines is colonization. <laughs> when the English are like, we've never done that. Yeah, it's it's only good if we do it because we're the civilized, Christianized people. It's like, whoa, because mm. we're bringing we're bringing Western British culture and civilization to you. But uh, all that to say, right? We we can't read these books and not address these things and not talk about them, even if it is a like minimal percentage of the content in the books. There are things you have to go. Okay, this is not great yeah and us critiquing this is not us saying we hate c.s lewis or that we dislike this book or or the series it's us saying we should take the literature that we're reading seriously and all of the messages that it has and part of taking it seriously is being willing to acknowledge that we don't think that this was a good narrative or editorial choice because we don't think it's adding to the character we think it's demonstrating a level of prejudice that is not fitting of what we think the book is supposed to represent definitely definitely so that said right the dwarves uh you know make sure that they they let it be known that the dwarves are for the dwarves they don't want to follow the Narnians, they don't want to follow the Calarmines. And so Tyrion and all of them are disappointed, and they hear the beat of a Calarmine drum, boom, 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 which is signaling the arrival and the call of, of the more orcs. Orcs. of the orc, the Urukai, the fights. Uh, but the more and more, really it is. I like saying Urukai a lot, it's yeah. a great, like, there's, there's some real good, like, roll off the tongue, like. Like, uh, you know, it's good. Yeah, uh, I just like a guttural stop in a in a word yeah. because it, we don't have that in in English, and it's you don't uh, find a lot of K's in the middle of words. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it's a good time. It's a good time, um, but you 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 hear and see the Calarmine army slowly approaching from all sides, and Tyrion realizes like. Okay, we've got to you know do something, uh, and we've got to you know begin forming ranks. But Chase, wouldn't you know it? The talking horses—they've been freed. They're approaching. The they look to the east on the fifth uh, day. What's what's that light rising on the eastern ridge? Da, 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 da. And like Gandalf approaches, uh, and it, and it's great, uh, but. Oh, wait, hold on. Before we can even cheer, before we can even get excited, all of the horses get murdered by the dwarves. Yep. They shoot them because they're great shots with bows and arrows, and they kill all of the horses. <laughs> it's, it really is. They hear the horse hooves. They see them coming up over the ridge, Next and right up. before they're able to be excited, each line of of horses falls <laughs> literally like consecutive paragraphs one paragraph enter horses next paragraph exit horses that's it chase 
You know, we could have just not had horses, but why don't we kill the horses? Let's just have more murder of animals. Like, it's great. Uh, It's so rough. But, like, after this moment, everyone's like, oh, well, that sucks. Uh, And so, like, Eusis gets really mad at the dwarves, and then Tyrion starts, like, basically, like, condemning Eusis. He's like, look, man, we don't, this isn't how, like, a warrior operates, right? Like, you talk with your blade. Like, let your, you know, let your murder and do the talking for you. And it's like, all right, like, I guess that's something. Uh, kind of noble, maybe. Um, but, like, they they begin, and the dwarves are like, gotcha, killed all your horses, you dumb idiots. <laughs> Again, in case you were confused, the dwarves are for the dwarves. It... Like, the Agent of Chaos side of it is kind of funny, but also, like, you cannot be for someone without being their direct enemy, and they have made themselves the direct enemy of both. They have taken no actions against the Calormines and only killed Narnian horses. Yeah. And it's... the, The weird thing is, like, implicitly you are for... You are for... Calormines because you are... Killing the Narnian, like, like little tribe here that's just like dying, and it is surrounded on all sides. And by saying that you're not going to be for either side, but then you're still killing them. And the Narnian, you're saying you're for the Calamines. The Narnian horses have no defenses, Chase. Yeah, they're horses. It's not like they're covered in armor. They yeah, don't have riders. They don't have riders atop them with shields. They're just horses getting shot by bows and arrows. There's a big clump of them, and the dwarves are like, "You can't miss." Yeah. Well, there was a clump, and now there's a pile. <laughs> there's still a clump. It's just it's a lot more like bloody clump. Yeah, it's lower to the ground. Like it's rough, man. Like there's no way that they could have done anything. They just get shot and die. Yeah, it's, again, dark chapter. Dark chapter. So dark because, you know, they begin, like, all of the Rashida Tarkin begins, like, assembling his crew. And, like, you hear this. It, there's this, like, one little line. It's really interesting. But he goes, you would not have known from Tyrion's face that he had now given up all hope. And it's like, he's still, he, like, he now knows we are in a winless battle but we have to fight on. And like, it's, uh, he, he's like, all right, let's just strike now. Let's go attack. And the Poggin, the good dwarf, uh, is like, Hey, isn't that a bad idea? Because like, we have like the wall behind us right now. Like we actually can't be attacked from all sides. And Tyrion's like, look, dog, they're trying to push us into this wall. (laughs) They want to, they want to put us in the stable because that's where the demon is. So, like, we might as well get away from this and it just, you know, attack now and take as many with us. Having Being trapped in a corner is not a safe place to be, even if they can't attack you from behind you when you're in a corner. Right. It's it's great for, like, a rabid mongoose if there's one snake. But also, it's not. You know that classic analogy? Chase, you know how you've seen a trapped mongoose in the corner? Ah, uh, yes, yes, in the garden earlier today. Yes, you have a corner in your garden? That's weird. Uh, but uh, so they they begin, they're like, all right, sweet, let's do this. 
like Eustace, you, me, the dogs, we're all going to go start murdering people. Jill, go be a girl and shoot arrows over here. And when you're out of arrows, run to that rock because there's nothing else you can do. It's like, all right, well, that's something, I guess. And then like Eagle come in and poke people's eyes out and slit their throats. And it's like, got it on it. Our side has been waiting for this for years. I mean, really the only one who has a chance at this point. <laughs> like, it, it, so they, they begin enacting their plan, and it feels pretty good. Like, you know, Jill's sniping people. She's got nothing but headshots right now. Uh, Farsight is just coming in, ripping throats out, and, like, it's it's brutal. And it says, like, she didn't realize that this, like, like all these people couldn't even, they couldn't focus on like the you know the swords and the boar's tusks and the dog's fangs and everything around them because they're too busy getting shot by arrows and their you know necks ripped open by eagles um and so it's like wow this is great we're winning this is awesome oh oh no there's so many calamines they're everywhere they just get overwhelmed it i said this before the pod I wanted to save it when you made your uh, Helm's Deep reference earlier. It's really less of a Helm's Deep for the Narnians than a Helm's Deep for the Calamines. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Because like Helm's Deep, at the beginning, the Calamines are kind of embattled and starting to get fought back. And the Narnians are coming up against them, but they get them back for a moment. And then they get reinforcements coming in on their flank and overwhelm them. (laughs) And uh, and wipe out the uh, <laughs> and they're fitting to crush the Nardians. There is no survival from this, as Tyrion has said. He has lost all hope. He didn't say it, but he felt it. He felt it, and he, he called it. them to retreat back to the Rock, which is all we know right now. We, we have not back, seen them all die yet. <laughs> back to the Rock, but if you just flip a page, Chase, I have. I, I will not. <laughs> the title of the next chapter. Is through the stable door, which is not ideal. Not great. Not, not great. Want, not where they wanted to go. It's not where you want to be. Um, and we find ourselves surrounded on all sides. With, I am surrounded. But not in a worship song, unfortunately. Uh, and like the Calamines are overwhelming them. Their losses are piled, like the, the Narnian forces' losses are piling up. There's no hope. What's going to happen, Chase? I mean, Farsight will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. Pinions. What a man. Look at you pulling out that word. Yeah. Psalm 91. Like, proud of you, buddy. (laughs) That's a good one. Um, But, yeah, we end the chapter. This, I'll, I'll, I'll say, props to C.S. Lewis. One of his better chapter endings. I mean, yeah, that's at least a real what's going to happen next. He does try to write it with a, like, they could still, so, like, you you read it as if it's a normal story where there's going to be some kind of way that the heroes make it out. It, I, and I do appreciate that. I, I really appreciate this book and like it's one of the reasons I enjoy it, I think, so much. Because I, I'm generally not a big fan of Doom and Gloom books. And like I don't like books that end with like 
the realistic quote unquote endings where it's like, no, the guy doesn't always get the girl and like the hero doesn't always win. But in this moment, it's really interesting because like there is hope and there is some beauty that will come. But the last battle doesn't go the way that we would think it would go given the rest of the Narnian series. Like it's actually bad. And like the, the last lines, the enemy had been reinforced, reinforced. The drum had done its work. <laughs> like they are surrounded. They don't have hope in this moment. It's like, Oh, that's a bummer. Which I mean, from a just realism perspective, that is how battles go. <laughs> that is how it goes. I but, mean, it's much more Game of Thrones than Narnia if you, uh, for just expectations for reading a book, not knowing how it would end. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, props to CS again. The thing that just keeps throwing me off is like, this is a children's book, right? This is a children's book with so much murder. So like all the best children's books have. Look, I, I was reading The Hungry Little Caterpillar to Judah the other day, and I couldn't help but wonder, where are all of the people who are getting their throats ripped out by eagles? Where are all the people who are getting their eyes gouged out by arrows piercing them? What is, Judah, what is Judah learning? That, he, that this caterpillar ate through one apple and two oranges and three plums? Ridiculous, Chase. He needs to learn about murder. I mean, look, then I actually have a great recommendation. The uh, I was reading a book to a two-year-old two weeks ago, and it, it was about planes, trains, and automobiles. But one of the planes was a drone. And really, that's just one step away from, from getting to the content that you're looking for. Yeah, I mean... That actually really threw me off. Like, oh, we're teaching kids about drones now? That's terrifying. That is wild. That's honestly crazy. Like. I guess because I, I mean, that's so weird because I definitely think more like when I think about my like childhood books and we can close this out here in a second officially, but like the childhood books I was reading were like, even like mechanical things. It was like bulldozers, garbage trucks, yeah, airplanes, well, sports car. Little boys love construction equipment. Yeah. Like it, more it, than... Makes sense. <laughs> My, like, it definitely wasn't, this was the B-52 bomber. This was the, what's the, like, an, the Enola Gay that dropped the atomic bomb. Like, yeah. Like, what's the atomic bomb? Oh, don't worry. It's just a thing that killed hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah, don't worry ah! about it. But it is just crazy how, like, young young children know the technical names of... <laughs> Of like heavy machinery in ways that I will never. <laughs> it's and it's crazy because you lose all of that information. Oh yeah. Like, how many kids can tell you a pachycephalosaurus? And you're yeah. like, that's cool. What's that? And it's like that's a headbutting dinosaur. And then as an adult, they're like, hey, what's your favorite dinosaur? I'm like, I don't know, like the the big one with the long neck, like uh, the 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 T Rex. Was the one in Jurassic Park? <laughs> it's like that one. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. cool. But Chase, we have been surrounded. The drums of this podcast have done their work. All there's left to do 
It's just at some point in the future, end this podcast. At some point. At some point. We will, we've only got like, like, like 20 pages left. Yeah, we're getting towards the end of this. We will have accomplished the reading of the Narnia series at some point soon. Some point soon, they say. It doesn't sound like it'll be in the year of our Lord 2023, but it will be at some point soon. It, you know, and here's the deal. You can listen to this podcast whenever, as long as yeah. Chase keeps paying for the rights to it. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep paying to keep it up for at least a while because I have my work podcast that I keep up. So I might as well keep hosting this one. Yeah. Why not? You know, yeah. maybe, maybe sometime in the future when, you know, Narnia is put on Netflix or whatever, or Disney, I don't know who owns it. Uh, then like we'll, we'll get really relevant again. Yeah. Maybe it'll have a resurgence. We'll watch the shows and do an episode by episode. <laughs> I mean, look, it's not coming out for several years, so I won't say never, but I'm glad it's not coming out soon because I would not be able to do that now. Dog, what is life? But all that to say, Chase, can you tell our friends where they can find more of our podcast while they can and yeah. how they can share it with their friends? Look, if you're feeling surrounded and just a little bit claustrophobic. I am surrounded. <laughs> You can find uh, you can find the stable door on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, re- really wherever you get podcasts uh, at the Chronicles of Podcasts. Um, you can also find it on Instagram at Chronicles of Podcasts and keep up when we do uh, finally post new episodes or just engage with us however you'd like to. Uh, be sure to tell your friends uh, who are interested in the Narnia series uh, that this exists to help new people find us. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and yeah, we will uh, we will see you next time. Peace. I didn't tell you. I finally have read Fellowship of the Ring. Hey, look at you go. So I finally know who Tom Bombadil is. Tom Bombadil, man. Tom Bombadil.